Hello, hello, and welcome again to another of my podcast episodes. You are now tuned in to WDGS 333 on your podcast station. Top of the mid AM to you this morning. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. I've just been basking in the intimacy of my relationship with God. I am in the process. Oh, yes, I am. As I come to you with part three of the process, I had anticipated on bringing part three to you way before right now. But I got in the midst of my own process. And you know how many times when you're in the midst of your own process, that's the time that you need to fine-tune your relationship with somebody. And that somebody can even very well be our Lord and our Savior. When you're in the process, you're usually there because you are in between seasons of praying for God to do something or desiring for something to change in your life. And before the manifestation of that change, you're in the process. I say the process is that time between executing a prayer for your request to God and the manifestation of that prayer to be unfolded in your life. In that meantime period is the process. And oftentimes, sometimes the things that we pray for in the process, it comes with a formula of believing and obeying. When you have prayed for something, it's imperative that your faith becomes activated with your request. Oh, I hope somebody got that. If you're in the midst of a financial need and a financial crisis, it becomes important as you pray and ask God to bless you with those finances you need to believe that you will receive those finances. And as you believe, oh, stay with me now, the things that you desire for God to do You also have to operate from that belief and obedience. Oh, oftentimes, that's where we get stagnated in the process. Not so much as believing because if we make our request known to God, oftentimes it's because we know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we ask or believe. But the second component in the process is to obey. Believe and obey. When we learn how to obey God's word, then the things that we believe and ask our request unto God for is how soon we receive the process answer. The process is that time and that period when you may want the relationship to be better. The process is that time when we may want our children to just be obedient to us. The process may be a loved one we want delivered. The process may be something we need deliver us from. The process, oh, it's very important in all of our lives. And as I've been going through the process, my prayer has been for God to position me with a a building for me to do self-sufficiency mentorship programs. 
And in my process, I've had to revisit my business plan that I wrote back in 2014 and 15. My process has been revisiting some things before the end of 2019 that I like to execute in 2020. But I'm going to share this with you. When we're in the process, oftentimes, because we're seeking God for this change, let me share with you what generally happens. We get distracted. Mm. See, the enemy knows that when he can take our focus off of the importance of God's mission because of the purpose for our lives, then the process would never become complete. I hope somebody got that. See, the purpose of the process is for a completion. We're seeking to be complete. We're seeking to be whole. We're seeking an answer for a solution to a problem. Mm. And the answer may be, why don't I have a husband? You may have prayed and asked God that question. Why am I still single? Oftentimes that's because if we have really surrendered, now I hope y'all get this, once you surrender your life to Christ and you no longer make choices based on your feelings, your personal feelings, but your decisions are based upon the word of God. See, that lines back up with obedience. And you say, okay, God, See, that's a, that's, a, that's a powerful position to be in. You know, it's the process positions us for the promises of God. So in the process, you have to understand your relationship with God. Have you surrendered wholeheartedly? Have you said to God, for God I live and for God I die? The Bible says, what does the things that so easily beset us? In the Bible, it said neither death nor height. Death, like a deep place, or height. There are things that come between us and our relationship with God. And those things generally are what positions us in how we handle the process. And the beauty of the process is that we receive promises because of going through the process. It's the promise of the Lord is to bless you with the business, to bless your ministry. Whatever purpose that God has predestined you to be here, until you tap into that purpose, you will find yourself in many positions in the process. You may be abased, you may be abound. You may have a season of joy and pain, another season. You may have a season of lacking limitations in one season, and then you may have another season for bountiful blessings that overflow. But the process generally makes us get in a place deeper in a relationship with God when we are in the not-so-good positions, when we have lacking limitations, when we are confused about relationships, when we wonder why we're getting older, but we're not getting wiser, we're not making better choices. Oh, my God. We not have acquired something that we may have been praying for many, many years. But oftentimes, Our blessings are awaiting us. God's promises are always there. God's promises comes with yes and amen. But what generally stagnates us in the process is our conduct, our character, our inability to obey the word of God. It's a blessing to obey. 
The Bible even says in itself, obedience is better than any sacrificial sacrifice we feel we make. We can say, I get up and go to church every Sunday. I go to Bible school every time Bible school is, is at my church. I feed the homeless. I, 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 I pray for people. I cast out demons. I prophesy. But if our character and conduct is not obedient to God then we are just exercising works. Oh, I hope somebody got that. It is not our works that generates our sacrifices over obedience. There's a lot of people that do a lot of works and great works, the Bible says. But Jesus in himself said, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I don't know you. See, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, they were always doing things and works in the Bible. It's in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read your four Gospels. There were people always doing great works. There were people performing miracles. And the scribes, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were a religious sector of people that set rules, regulations, bylaws, and highly educated. Some of them formulated what was called a Sanhedrin Council. And on that council, they orchestrated what all the people in the land should and should not do. But Jesus said unto them, Ye hypocrites, you serving me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. See, Jesus even understood that when you have a heart of obedience, because obedience operates from a heart, you will change the way you see things. And you most definitely will change the way you say things. If you don't change the way you see things and start seeing things the way Christ said to see them, if you don't say the things you should say, then you will find yourself continuously repeating the same process, the same lesson. The test will continuously, I say, be placed on your desk. Because the world is a big classroom and we're always tested. And when we think that we've arrived and we've conquered something, we will be tested to make sure that we have passed the test. Sometimes we're given the same test in life. I know for myself, I've been taking several tests over when it came to relationships and desiring to be married and being single and wanting to be married. But in each test, I saw it as an assignment. So when I now connect myself with someone, I said, okay, God, what is my lesson? What is this relationship coming to teach me? Is it to teach me patience? Is it to teach me understanding? Is it to teach me how to long suffer? Is it to teach me how to humble myself? Because I'm going to tell you, I had a hard problem based on the things that I encountered that damaged me through my younger years. I had a hard problem with submitting myself in a relationship. You know, it took me to recognize I had a vestite spirit. If my husband said, come, if I didn't feel like it, I would go the opposite direction. And so I had to examine myself through my journey. In the process is the time for reflection. And when you reflect, it will require you to revisit some of your characteristic traits to understand why God keep giving me this same test. 
Why am I keep going through these same problems with this same person? Mm, my God. I hope somebody got that. See, the reason we keep taking the same tests in life is because we didn't get what we needed in the process of our prayer. Woo, I hope somebody got that. When the process of your prayer was, I want this man and I want to marry this man, but we keep going through taking the same test in this relationship and it's not working. That's because we are not working on the most important things we should always be working on, which are the fruits of our spirits. I can't push them enough. The fruits of the spirit, Galatians 5 and 22. When you are in the process, most times we'll look at other people instead of looking at ourselves. And we'll start judging and critiquing what that person needs to change instead of investing energy on what we need to change. I say one of the greatest damaging things in the process is the power of the spoken word. Most times when people are in the process of, of, of not having a job but desiring a job and needing a job, it's the time they utilize the most damaging words. They'll say things like, oh, I'm so broke. Or, I'm so tired of being without a job. Or How, why everybody else? Especially if you know that you are, are walking in what you think is the obedience. See, all things are not sinful, but all things are not expedient when it comes to the word of God. See, okay, you, you, you may not be out there committing adultery or fundication. You may not be out there stealing or killing. So your mind has said, well, why can't I be blessed or why can't I have this peace within and the material things that other people have? But let me give you an enlightenment because maybe you haven't processed your stinking attitude. Maybe you haven't processed that pride that goeth before a fall. Maybe because why you lusting from your eye what somebody else have instead of desiring your own blessing. Mm, I hope somebody got that. See, it's a covet spirit to desire a car just because somebody else got one. It's a covet spirit to desire a certain type of apartment or a house because somebody else got one. It's a covet spirit to desire to look like somebody because that other person who getting the attention for how they look, you want the same attention. Oh, I hope somebody got that. That's a covet spirit. And therefore, your process may carry lack and limitations because you're too busy looking at other people, what they have and what you don't have. And that in itself is a disobedient spirit unto God because God does not want us to covet. He said, don't covet. That, see, that, those are the little foxes sometimes that we don't see that spoils the vine. We think because we're keeping our legs closed and we're not robbing and stealing somebody that we good. Oh, but let me enlighten you today, my brothers and my sisters. If you selfish and you want what you want because you just want it, Or you covenant because somebody else have it. And you're saying to God, well, why they got it? And I don't have it. And I'm going to church all the time. And I'm praying all the time. Why am I going through this? Why is my body wrecked with pain? Well, maybe you want to be still and know God in your process. Stop, Stop cursing when you get angry. And you may not say it to other people. But you say it within your heart. Somebody step on your shoe or bump into you. You got the attitude like you rule the world and you in the lion. You the lion in the lion's king. Oh, they don't know what they did to me. 
How dare they do that to me? Who do they think they are? They must don't know who I am. I've literally heard people say things like that. They don't must don't know who I am. And I was listening one time when somebody said that. And I was thinking, well, you must don't know who God is. Because if you know God, then the Bible says when you think you are something, you're nothing. Oh, help me today, Holy Ghost. See, a lot of times we get so stagnated in our process and keep repeating the same test because of the big head. See, the Bible done told us, don't never think you so much. Because when you think you are something, you are nothing. Our life is temporary, people. Our life is not a permanent fixture on this earth. And when we start obscuring the vision from Christ, that's why whenever people say things to me, I say to God, be the glory. You know, I'm not so connected to anything on this earth because I know it's temporary. It's temporary. Every season is temporary. Life in itself is temporary on earth. The only eternity we have is in Christ Jesus. He said that he came that we may have eternal life and that we may have it more abundantly. But how do we obtain eternal life? That is to surrender. And oftentimes when we can't find ourselves going through the process is because of that key word. We don't want to surrender. And it's not just surrendering to say, okay, well, I surrender. Father God, come into my life. I believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, that he died to save me from my sins and I shall be saved. And some people think they can put a period right there. And they can ride off the grace and mercy that's once saved, always saved. But I am here to enlighten you in this podcast. That even after you surrender your life and receive salvation, there's a process of obedience. There's a process of obedience to the word of God for the life that you have said you surrender to. And oftentimes when you look at the big scheme of things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life or the three damaging spirits that are operating in most people's lives. They're looking at what other people are doing. They're looking at what other people obtain. And it has gotten so to the point because of social media. Sometimes it look, I look at some of that stuff and I just have to turn it off and go in prayer. Because it's all generated, a lot of it. From lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and everybody trying to let people see what they have and what they don't have and where they going and what they doing and who they doing it with. What's your popularity? What's your purpose for that? If it's to self-gratify your flesh and make you feel good about yourself, Instead of Christ making you feel good all within yourself about yourself. Whether you get any followers or any listeners. See, that's why I keep encouraging people. Let me let me just say this again. I am not here for fame and fortune. I am not here for pats on the back. Some people may not understand where I be coming from. I am not here because I'm seeking self gratification I am here to enlighten people for my purpose in Christ that's why I'm here all my blessings flow from Christ even if they flow through somebody it took God to touch their hearts to compel them to release it unto me I don't have it twisted. I don't have it twisted. It's not because of my career field, my jobs. 
my acclimates. Because I know some people who didn't have but a sixth grade education. And this lady was blessed with 17 acres of land with a house on that land. And the, and, the, and the lady who blessed her with it, she gave it to her. She she also paid all of her bills. She did the lady who was a blessing to this woman of God. When she started working for her, this lady was related to Mr. Sam Walter. If y'all don't know who that is, <laughs> that he he Walmart. And that lady told this woman of God that I knew, that I know. She said, give me your light bill and all your other bills with this house that you have and your credit cards. And I'm going to give them to my accountant to pay them every month. This lady had three cars in her yard. And she didn't have to pay for not one of them. She didn't have to pay the car insurance. All she did was rented a service to someone who was a descendant of Mr. Walmart. People, we cannot restrict God to see him in in our carnal mind. We have to really get to the process place. To know that with God, all things are possible. So with God, all things are possible, but not with people. People have limitations on how much they can do, how much they can give. And that's why I don't fall out with people when they can't do what I think and feel they should do. Because it's not limited to people. I put my trust and confidence in God. And that's in when you're in the process, that's the time to draw nigh to God even the more. When you are in the process and you find yourself, I'm going to say this again, you keep taking the same test in life. You keep dealing with the same relationship the same way. That's because you are not paying attention in your process to pass the test. Oh, I hope somebody got that. You keep flunking the same test, baby. See, the process going to take you to make some changes on the way you used to do things, the way you used to act, the way you used to be. If you keep doing everything the same way, keep acting the same way, keep talking the same way, you will keep going through the same process. Oh, that's what I mean. You going to take that same test again. But my, 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 my challenge, I know that comes as with anybody when you're in the process. How do you stay focused? Because oftentimes when you need to study for a test, oh, I hope somebody get this. Y'all students in the garden of life. When you know that you will receive a test, some people can pass a test. And not steady. But when your person is like that, they are in tune. Somewhere they glean that information and they retain what they need to do. But when you're in the process and you're going to be tested, always in the process, some people don't want to steady. They don't want to steady how to believe and obey. See, that's where people get stagnated. Because God will send them the test and say, okay, well, you need to change. And they may say, well, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do that. When the Bible encourages us to surrender ourselves unto Christ, some people say, well, I, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. See, some people carry that. Martha spirit instead of that Mary spirit. Some people want to be busy and feel that, okay, well, I'm busy working for God. 
I got to run over here to this conference. I got to run over here to this church. I got to run over here to do this. I got to run, 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 run. But then Mary, I call it the Mary and Martha syndrome. Mary in the Bible, she just wanted to have that intimate time with Christ. How many of you know that sometimes that's all we need to do in the process to pass the test? You know, I was talking to a a brother the early part of this year in January. And this brother was declaring some ancient feelings that he had from way back when I was a teenager. And he said he wanted to marry me. And he was so excited in his assurance that he took off and he came to where I stayed. But you know, when I saw him face to face, because we had been communicating on the phone and and we grew up, come from the same hometown and But when I looked at his spirit and I saw down deep in the eyes of his soul, I saw a lot of damage. I saw a lot of hurt. I saw a lot of confusion. So I said to the young man, I said, my brother, now is not the time. You may feel you're ready for me, but I know you're not ready for me. He said, well, how you going to say that, Alfredo Putman? I said, because you need to go through the process. I said, go back. Now, it didn't sit well with him because he later told me. See, it wasn't about me trying to bust nobody bubble. It was about him getting to a place to understand I'm too mature and grown to play house. I don't have time to play house. I hope y'all brothers and sisters understand what that means. When you just in a relationship because you just going through the motion because you just lonely and you want somebody in your life. But you're not ready to surrender yourself and work on making the relationship happy. Oh, I hope somebody got... See, a lot of people caught up in these relationships. They got these friends and boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives. But they are so unhappy. So they just playing house. And they wasting precious, beautiful days in their lives. Tied down with somebody who don't even make them happy. Long gone are those days for this sister. Been there, done that, as people can say, and got my t-shirt, my cap, my jacket, and even my designer shoes and outfit. Because I gave up 20-some years of my life because I didn't want to go through the process of being by myself to find myself. I just didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be alone, and I didn't want to be alone. So I got involved with somebody just to have somebody to do little things with. But I wasn't doing nothing but playing house because there was no happiness. Oh, I hope somebody got that. I had to keep taking the same test over and over and over until... I had a wake-up call. And God said, you you married, but you're not ready for marriage. And see, in my mind, I said, but yes, I am, God. I just want a husband. I know how to cook. I know how to clean up. I know how to wash clothes. I know how to work and put my money in the pot. God said, "Mm mm-hmm, and you do. You know how to do all of that. I said, I believe I can, I can make it feel like how women both to make a man feel them, that they don't have to run around in the street. God said, mm-hmm, and you can do all that. But you don't know how to love. That's what God said to me. But you don't know how to love. 
You want a husband, but you don't know how to love a husband. I said, ooh, my God. My God. So what ended up happening after my last divorce, God took me to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And he had me in the study for 40 days. 1 Corinthians, 13th chapter. And he had me to break down the definition of the word love. And I'm, I literally, when I say I dissected every word, where it say love bears all things. And I took that one phrase and I looked up the word love. I looked up beareth. I looked up all. I looked up things. When I tell you I dissected every word, I wrote every word on a piece piece of paper. And I wrote the definition to every word so that I would not no longer be confused. That the reason that my marriages didn't work and the reason I didn't have a husband is because I had not learned how to love. Mm. I hope somebody got that. Then it said, it endureth all things. It's not easily provoked. I looked them words up. I looked up not. I defined easily. I defined provoked. And when I got through dissecting that entire description of love in the Bible, I sat back and I looked at all them words. And especially when I got to the one that said, love does not seek it its own. And all I could think about was all those times when I wanted my way. When I said what I said, I wanted to have my way. And if things didn't go my way, then you know what happened? I got upset. So when I sat back and looked at all those defined words, I think I used like two, three sheets of paper. And then I got to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a grown man, I put away childish things. And so then I asked God, I said, what was the childish things? He said, your character, your conduct, the way you address situations and problems. That when you upset with your husband and he call you, you don't answer your phone. That's a power play. That's not a fruit of the spirit. It's nothing kind about treating your own husband. See, you were self, you were you were selfish and you were seeking your own way. Cause so I said, okay, God. So that's why that's one of the formulas I give people. To understand why your relationship not working. A lot of times you haven't even learned how to love. But we so busy spending time nitpicking and saying, well, he don't do this right. And he don't do that right. And he don't come and he don't go. And he don't give me and he don't do for me. Do you love him? Have you learned how to love him? See, people, I'm going to say it again. When you keep getting the same test put on your desk. That's because you have not surrendered in the process. It's something God needs to teach you. It's something God wants you to learn and master. And oftentimes, we cannot learn and master what it is that God wants to teach us because we're so busy looking at what the other person is not doing right. Well, they don't do this right. Well, they don't talk right. They don't say that right. They don't open my door when I want them to. They didn't, they forget what I told them to bring home. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. None can come except the spirit draw. Now in the book of James, James 4 and 8 say draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But oftentimes, you know, we try to do, we try to draw near to other people. 
Let me go over here and call my girlfriend and, and tell her what's going on with me and my man and, and see what she tell me to do. And whatever she tell me to do, that's what I'm going to think about. See, when you're drawing nearing to God, God will tell you how you should have acted, what you should have said. Stop them power plays. You know, I, I'm, I'm just going to ignore him when he called me. I'm just going to ignore her when she called me. I'm going to let them see. I'm going to let them feel. See, all that is is a power play. It's a selfish act. It is not an act of love. Because what it does, it makes the other person not feel good. And those are the intents that you are sending in the atmosphere. Because they didn't make you feel good, so now I'm going to treat them in a way for them not to feel good. But that is not of God, people. I dealt with those spirits before. And, I, and I'm telling you, I had an ex-husband. When he got offended with anything I said or did, he would shut me down and shut me off in three, four, five days. And I had to come to my right senses and say, but let me tell you now, he would buy me all kind of gifts. He would do great and wonderful things for me. But he had a nasty spirit of retaliation when it came to you not making him feel the way he wanted you to make him feel. So neither one of us knew how to love. So he would do the power play. I could call him, text him, call him. He would not answer. He wanted me to show me. See, I used to tell him this too. I said, you know, you try to do that as a punishment. I'm going to show her. If she don't say what I want to hear, because she's not going to tell me nothing, I don't want to hear. And you know how some men, I don't want to hear you argue. So they go through these little power plays, and then they say, okay, well, I know what to do. I just want to go home. I'm going to teach her a lesson that when I go home the next time, she better shut her mouth. See, that means none of you, there's no love there in that type of conduct. It's no love when you're not being kind to a person because you don't get your way. Them temper tantrums, that's what I call them. Just like a little kid in the candy store who want candy and their parents won't buy it. And so you just act out. And that's what oftentimes we do in relationships. When we can't have our way, we act out. I've been there. Done it many, many, many times. But when I examined 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, I sat back. I said, my God. Boy, I've been terrible. I've been horrible. And God said, now you know why your marriages didn't work. I said, okay, God. Well, okay, so apparently I didn't know how to love. Now that I've seen this definition of love. What did that tell me? It said to me all these years. I said, God, I did. I didn't do none of this stuff. I, I started out seeking my own. I started out seeking my own because I said he gotta have a certain job. He gotta have a certain kind of car. He gotta have. I, I used to. I used to have these little, this little saying. He gotta have three out the five C's. And I'm gonna tell you what my what my what my five C's. He definitely had to have three out of five. It was Christ, crib, cash, a car, and what was the other one? I can't think of it. Uh, uh, it was, I know it was Christ. It was a car and cash, a crib, and it was something else I used to say. But he had to have three out of them five. And the three out of the five definitely had to be Christ. He had to know Christ. He definitely had to have a car, and he had to have cash. Now, he might didn't have his own crib, but he definitely had to have them three. And that's, I used to, that's how I made my selections. It had nothing to do with love. I was seeking my own. Oh, I hope somebody got that. I was seeking my own. So I said to God, I said, okay, God, well, if it wasn't love, what was it? He said it was nothing but lust. I said, what? All the men, and I used to say I love you, Ethan, but you didn't understand love. You didn't know love. You didn't know my love. 
You might have knew Webster love, but you didn't know love from 1 Corinthians 13. And I and now I can identify when I see people, you know, men try to talk to me. After so many conversations, I already know they need to go through the process. Go back, go through the process. You don't know how to love me. Because you don't know how God wants you to love me. And when the Bible says that a man should love his wife as Christ loved the church, if you don't even understand the correlation of that, you cannot love me. So what I will find myself doing is just playing house. And I don't have time for that right now. My life has gotten too precious. And life in itself is so unpredictable now more than ever. The last thing I want to do is play house. You remember when we were kids and we used to play house? Well, you know, playing house, we had to come to the reality of our real house when we finished playing house. Because we were just playing. And everything was make-believe. And when you don't know how to truly love somebody and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mine through Christ Jesus. And that's Philippians 4 and 7. You're not doing nothing but playing house. Because your heart and mind don't have an understanding on how to even love somebody. When you're seeking your own way and you're falling out with people because they don't give you what you want, when you want it, how you want it, you have not mastered love. Oh, I hope somebody got that. See, love lets people free will do whatever they do and you embrace them anyhow. And my grandmama showed me that through her relationship with my granddaddy. That man left home every weekend. But she showed me love. I saw the true living example of love because she would rest in the patience of God. And I never heard her say an unkind word to him. Even though he left, I'm not talking about every other weekend here and there. I'm saying the entire time I grew up in a house with my grandmother and granddaddy. I do not remember one weekend that he ever stayed home. I'm saying when he left on Fridays, I did not see him again until Sunday. The only time he made an exception was if his older children from up north would come home. Then I guess he didn't want them to think that he was not home every weekend. He lived this way. And I didn't know why he wasn't there, but he was staying with another woman every weekend. And it was the same woman, not for one year, two year, three year, but enough to make seven children by this woman. So he created damage in me. He created damage in them outside children, but I never saw him damage his wife because she just stayed patient in her God. And in the love, she I never heard her fuss at him. I never heard her say, why you keep leaving our weekend? Where you go? Why you do it? I, when I honestly tell you this, I never once heard my grandmother raise my voice, her voice to my granddaddy. I never saw her treat him unkind. And I didn't even know until I was in high school. I knew about two of his kids, but I didn't know it was seven of them. And when I think about that now as a grown-up, that here's a wife that was married. Her husband was home Monday through Thursday. Well, Sunday night, should I say. He would come home and leave on Friday nights. He had seven outside children by one woman. You know, most women would think, I'm not going to keep putting up with you because you got to love that other woman. For you to give her that many children, all yours, a lot of women wouldn't have endured that. But my grandmother remained silent 
because she knew a God where she understood her relationship with God. And she continued to commit to those vows and love her husband. She made sure when she knew, because I remember one time, and I'm going to say this and get off this podcast, but I'm hoping it helps somebody to understand why a lot of times these relationships, we get in and we get out, we get in and we get out, and they not working and we get in and we fall out and we get out and we fall out. Because we not, we haven't learned how to truly love. And until you learn how to truly love, happiness is just going to be temporary. And once it becomes temporary, then you find yourself back in the process. If you're not in it because of real love, you will constantly be in the process of looking for something else. Because you're going to always be looking for what's right in somebody else to make you happy. If you haven't processed love within yourself. But I remember one Saturday, my grandmother fried some fish. And it was so pretty. And she made us some homemade hamburgers. But I wanted a piece of that fish. And I asked my grandmother, I said, Ma, can I please have a piece of that fish? And she said, well, no, because that's CJ fish. And I said, but Ma, you know he's not coming home. And she she turned around, she was at the stove, and she looked at me, she said, Gal, what did you say? (laughs) Of course, I was too scared to repeat it, because that look she gave me. And she said unto me, she said, as long as you live, don't you ever let me hear you say an unkind word about CJ. That's her husband. She didn't say that that's my husband, Paul, but she gave me a look and she said, don't you never let me hear you say an unkind word about CJ. And, and that was a big question mark in my forehead for many, 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 many years. Because, you know, we was raised in a time when a grown-up said something, you don't get no feedback unless you want your head to be knocked back. So I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't say nothing else. But yes, ma'am. But I always had this question mark. When I tell you a long time, I'm like, but what did I say unkind? I just spoke the truth. She knew he wasn't coming home that Saturday. He don't never be home on Saturdays. Wasn't no holiday for the older children to be there. But what she, I, I later realized what was unkind was, first of all, I was out of order. That was my place and was my business. To say that. That was her husband. And she chose. And I'm telling you. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday. My grandmother treated her husband like back in the old Bible days. What we are the, the old Renaissance movies where you can see the ladies would say, My Lord. That was just like my grandmother with her husband. Nothing moved in our house. Without her consulting with my granddaddy. Now, I know all y'all men would love women like that now. If we asked to go to the movies on a Thursday, because we always had to ask for stuff in advance. We couldn't do the last minute thing. And if we said, Ma, can I go to the movies on Sunday? She would say, well, we'll see. I have to ask CJ when he come home. Boy, that used to get under my flesh. I'm like, why do she have to ask him everything? But I later learned about that. See, love keep peace in the home. When you really love somebody. You know, I, I, I did a YouTube thing earlier this year on love. And a lot of people miss that. See, we, we think love is a feeling. Because we done listen to Flip Wilson or somebody. They think it's a feeling that you you've got the fear that you never felt before. But love is God, first and foremost. You understand that there's no greater love when the Bible talks about. See, and until you get in that intimate place to truly love God, we really don't know how to love our neighbor as even ourselves. So how are we going to love a man 
Because I always say, you know, my grandma said cleanliness is next to godliness. I, I got a revelation on that. I thought it was just keeping your house clean. But it's a reflection of your own soul and spirit. When you keep a nasty house, I'm, I promise you, just, just check this out now. If you don't believe me, let your spirit of discernment enlighten you. Women who keep a nasty house got some nasty attitude spirit. People don't got to tell you this woman got a nasty attitude. If you walk in a woman's house, I'm going to tell you, that's why the old school brothers, if they came to your house and it was out of order and it was nasty, you wasn't going to be nothing but a late and a play. And they was not going to try to marry you and make you no wife. I just want to help some women today. If you want to be loved, you have to love God first. And then you got to love yourself. And when you love yourself, the things that God bless you with and teach it to your children, be a good steward over it. And being a good steward over the stuff that God bless you with means you got to take care of it. And if you can't take care of the stuff your own money by that you go out there and work hard for, why would a man walk in your house and think you're going to know how to take care of him? Hello, somebody. You ain't got time. To love your man if you ain't got time to clean your nasty house. Because your stuff in your house that's tore up, jacked up, messed up, and treated like you don't appreciate God for blessing you with the job to buy it. If you don't take care of your own stuff, a man walking, a real man from the old school day walking in your house and see it and say, this woman ain't finna take care of me. She ain't gonna have time to love me. If I don't see what she got enough structure and order where she got time to love her own stuff that her hard-earned money made and worked for, she ain't going to know how to love me. So you know what ends up happening? Man, just play house. It don't stick and stay. In the process, all that comes out, it's a test. Some women may say or men may say, but it's hard. When you surrender, nothing is never hard. That job you got, it may be hard, but you surrender and you go through the process to get up and go to work to keep working on it. And that's what we have to do in the process. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this and I'm going to go ahead and close. I got so in tune to this process thing. I got up to, to make notes from a podcast part three on Saturday. And actually what God ended up doing, he started inspiring me in a book. I got about seven books. The title of them, I've actually written two. They're going to be smaller books this time. I'm I'm going to move into the arena of very small books, 33 pages or less. But um, I'm excited about this book. I'm really excited about this book. It, it has some uh, blessed, anointed information in it. In the Lord's will, you all, you know, who know the word of prayer and in the, walking in the spirit of love, because I don't usually invite everybody to pray for me, because a lot of folk pray for you, and they don't know how to love you, and they don't even like you. And I don't know what they may ask or say, because I'm a big, big person, and I'm going to say this again before I call. The power of the spoken word is the most powerful tool that we have in our lives. It's a tool. Your words are tools. And how you use those tools determines how your life is built. And when you use the word of God, that's why when I even when I pray, I, I've learned how important it is to pray God's word to God. Because he said he honors his word. They will not return void. I'm not a person that likes to pray and constantly just jabbering. And just saying stuff. It's a strategic way of praying. And that's one of my books, Teach Me How to Pray. Um, the one that's getting ready that I, and that I think I'm going to start working on typing tomorrow is your positions in the process for promises. Tune in. Tune in to the next podcast. I, I, like I said, I've been off social media but 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 there's a process I'm going through that has encouraged me to refrain 
So just stay tuned. May the blessings of the Lord flow down from heaven into your life. Meet all your wants and your needs. Your good desires as you delight yourself in the Lord. And you continue to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prosper. Until the next podcast upload, peace out.